0: Again, thank the Lord for our praise team. Amen? Amen. Man, they do a great job leading us in worship every every week. It's uh, you know I, here, I'm I'm going to say this again. I've probably said it before. Here's what I love they 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 get together on Tuesdays. There's a lot more than just coming in here and singing on Sunday morning. They they every Tuesday night this team gets together. If they're if they're serving on Sunday morning, they're here on Tuesday night rehearsing. And they have a, a time in the Word. They have time in prayer, and they and they rehearse. They practice. And, uh, and so, you know, what you have from that is you have a spirit-filled group that's up here leading us in worship. They're not up here just putting on a show. And uh, I think we sense that and we feel that. We feel how God uses that. So I thank uh, the Lord for, for Pastor Aaron and all of the team that lead us in worship every week. Well, I'm going to ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. We, uh, we started this study several, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, I guess, and we um, through the, the Christmas season we got away and did some Christmas messages and then everything going on here at the start of the year. We're going to get back to it this morning and we're going to pick up where we left off. So Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to pick up at verse 12. We're going to look at 12 verses 12 through 18 this morning. So let's just have a quick word of prayer as uh, as you're turning there as we get ready to start. Father, I just ask for your blessing on this time. God help me to Help me to focus. Give me clarity in my thought and in my speech this morning. I pray you'd help me to just communicate, Lord, what you, um, what you would have me to say. Uh, Lord, bind my mouth from anything that you don't want said. And, Lord, maybe there's things you need to bring to my mind this morning. Help me to, to hear from you and just uh, to speak clearly. I pray that our folks will, will hear from you. They'll, they'll see you this morning. They won't see me. They won't hear me. May I simply be a, a, a tool, an instrument in your hand this morning. God, I, take you, I pray that you'll take the word this morning, take the message, and you'll use it in each one of our hearts, our lives, that, uh, that we'll take what we hear this morning. And if we'll apply this, if we'll implement this, I believe that we'll, we'll see growth in our life in this year. Uh, that's coming up this is 2024 so God just bless now and we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus name amen now show of hands real quick show of hands how many of you made some new year's resolutions how many of you you, you may do that so raise raise them high I want to see them then I want you all right not a lot a lot of you figured out that re- new year's res- resolutions are just made to be broken so you just skip the whole thing Well, keep if you've made some resolutions hold your hand up keep your hand up all right How many of you have kept those resolutions to this date, to right now? You've kept them. Keep your hand up if you've done that. Some are like, ah, so-so, yeah. All right, very good. All right, so a few. But here's what we tend to find out, right? Resolutions, a lot of times they don't last. I like commitments. I like making a commitment to something. Uh, Resolutions to me just seem like uh, we should make a resolution to keep the resolutions. That's what we should do, you know. but, you know, one of the most popular resolutions every year, and y'all guess what it is. What's the popular resolution? What, what on, 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 What's that? Going to lose weight, going to get in shape, right? So I'm going to start working out. I'm going to get into shape this year. That's what happens. It's funny. They'll show pictures in the gyms. and gyms on January 1st and January 2nd, they're full. All the treadmills are full. All the weights are full. By the 3rd, they start tapering up. By the end of the first week, I mean, it's back to there's nobody there. And uh, they're, just, they're just not going. Um, 1 Timothy 4 8 tells us this for bodily exercise profits a little. All right, so prof- bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness, listen, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now there is profit and benefit in bodily exercise, and we should all seek to take care of that one and only body that the Lord has given us. Amen. We should take care of it, especially as believers, because you want, to live a, you want to live a long life. You want to live a productive life. And the healthier you are, you know, the more productive you can be in that. So you want to do that. But the benefits now of physical exercise, the benefits are limited and they're temporary. Obviously, no matter how much we exercise, how, how great our diet is, one day we're going to, our health is going to fail. One day we're going to leave this, Lord, this earth if the Lord tarries and, and, and He doesn't come back before that time. But it, it, there's some gain in that, but it's not a lot. The spiritual is the part. Godliness is profitable for all things. Godliness is profitable for all things. Now, our, our scripture today gives us a workout plan that listen it's profitable it's beneficial and it actually brings joy to our life so the title of the message this morning is this as we look at Philippians uh, 2 12 through 18 is 2024's most profitable workout all right so y'all are like oh wow good christian workout what is this going to be we're always looking for the new diet we're looking so you got to understand this is more we're looking at the spiritual and not so much the physical this morning. Now, in chapter 1 in Philippians, we learned about the single mind, right? You, we, we, y'all remember that. We talked about the single being single-minded, and that is a mind that is focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we, that, that's where we should start. Everything for us, it should start with being focused on Him. Now, when we last were in this book, the last time we were in this in this. Uh, beginning of Philippians chapter 2, we got there. The last message we, we preached on this, we learned about the submissive mind. So we went from the, 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 the single mind, that is a mind that is focused on Christ, He's first, to learning about the submissive mind. And we saw in the Lord Jesus Christ the ultimate example of the submissive mind. If we're going to talk about having a submissive mind being humble and submitted to in this world, then then Christ is the example. He is is the example. There are many good examples, but He is the example, and He's the example that Paul gives us in chapter 2, which is all about the submissive mind. Now, wherever there is a submissive mind, understand this. If we are single-minded and then we have a submissive mind, there will be sacrifice and service. You're gonna find that. When we, and you go, well, I don't, you know, if, if, am I really, do I really have a submissive mind? If I have a submissive mind, there are two things you're gonna see there's gonna be sacrifice in your life, and there's gonna be service in your life, okay? So, those are some ways you can gauge where am I in my walk. Uh, this was true of Christ, verse 7 and 8, but, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Sacrifice and service. Christ modeled it. You know, I'm going to say this here. I was thinking about, you know, we, we, we often, we, we do pray, and we want safety for the Christians around the world, but we understand that's not always God's plan. The, 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 that the Christianity has grown and spread and blossomed on the blood of martyrs. Right. And so, you know, we don't, we don't want someone murdered, but, but you know what is amazing? When, when, when someone is martyred for the sake of, of Christ, there is, there is no stronger, more powerful testimony than that. I remember uh, the, the, the story, I'm, I'm getting on the sidebar now, but you may remember the pictures where... Um, ISIS brought out those men and had them in an orange, the orange jumpsuits and marched them out on the beach. The story is, and I don't know how they got it. I don't know if it's true. The story is one of those, uh, his testimony was so strong in that. You know, they, they're like, you're going to deny, deny, deny Christ, deny him. And he wouldn't. And, and, and none of them would. They, they, I mean, they decapitated him right there. But their stand was so strong, and some of them, the things that they said, were, they were so impactful that it had an impact on those men with ISIS. There's something about... About, and we're going to see this, so, so I'm getting a little bit ahead, but we're going to see this, that, that even when Paul talks about it, he talks about it later. Let me just read the verse he says in verse 17. Has, he says, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Paul said, look, if they, if they kill me, so be it. There's joy in that because if it, it, you, are, you are the result of my work. If you are, you've, you've come to faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's like, man, if I'm being poured out at this point as a drink offering, and he knew his death was coming. Paul knew that, and, and he, he would soon, his life would be taken. He would be martyred. But he says, I am glad and rejoice with you all. There was joy in that. Folks, even, even in that situation, they're, they're, the martyrs are going to have a special place in glory. They are. We read in Revelation, it's very clear they are going to have a very special place in glory. And uh, so, you know, we think of that as a horrible thing, and, and, and to, to be murdered is a horrible thing. But to go in to be with the Lord, there ain't nothing, you can't scare me with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to send you off to be with God. Well, praise God, that's okay. I'll take that. Timothy Uh, When we're talking about sacrifice and service in verse 22, it says, But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. He had a submissive mind. He served with Paul. He just served Paul, and he served with Paul, and he served others through Paul's ministry. And then there's Epaphroditus down in verse 30. says, Because of the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Epaphroditus? sacrifice and service. He traveled all that way from Philippi to Rome to be with Paul, to minister to Paul, serve him, he served him, he served the church at Philippi. So we see this this thing of when you have a single mind, it brings a submissive mind, which brings service and sacrifice. So the single mind leads to the submissive mind, and as we seek to live for Christ, we live for others. So there's an acronym, and and someone wrote this down in in one of the earlier messages and passed it on to me, but it's joy, joy. If you want to have joy, it's Jesus others yourself in that order. Jesus first, you serve others second, and yourself last. When we do that, there's joy in our life, and that's what Paul is teaching us. Now, we go back up to verse 5, and Paul says in Philippians there, chapter 2, verse 5, he says, "...let this mind..." He's talking about now this submissive mind, this humble mind that Christ had. He said, "...let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus." That's what he's told us. And all this is leading up to verse 12, where he says, now, as he's talked about the Lord, he's talked about the Lord's humility, even to the point of death. And we get here to verse 12, and he says, therefore, so what's the therefore, therefore? So having just looked at the greatest example of submission, humility, godliness, and righteousness, having just looked at that, he says, now, therefore, having seen this picture of submission, this submissive mind, this submissive attitude, this attitude that you should have, he says, my Beloved, as you have always obeyed, not, on, not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Paul commends the obedience and faithfulness of the believers there at Philippi. He saw it when he was there. Those that had become believers, they were faithful. They were obedient. But he's, he, he's, he's commending them because what he's heard is their obedience has continued. But he's not just commending them for how they acted when he was there. He's not just commending them for how they acted in his absence, but he's challenging them to continue this obedience. He's challenging them to continue to walk this way. Not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He's challenging them with their obedience. and he says, and here's Here's the challenge he gives them. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is is a verse. This verse right here. Many have misunderstood this verse. Many misunderstand this verse. And many abuse this verse. They use this verse to, to say something that the Scriptures do not say and that Paul did not say. Paul is in no way saying, work for your salvation. He's not saying work for your own salvation. Paul is in no way here speaking of a works theology, okay? Understand that. He's not contradicting his own teachings on salvation. Now, to begin with, Paul was writing to people who are already saints. If you go back to to chapter 1, verse 1, he calls them saints. He is writing to the believers at Philippi, the church in Philippi. He's not writing to the general population of Philippi. He's writing to the believers, to the church. They've already trusted Christ, and they've been set apart part for him. We do not and cannot work for or earn salvation. Amen? Amen. I mean, we know that. Everyone in here knows that. Ephesians 2.8, Paul had written, for by grace, for by God's grace, you have been saved through faith. That's how salvation comes. God's grace saves us, but it's through the, the vehicle of our faith, placing our faith in what he did for us. And he says, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God." That salvation is a gift. There's no working for salvation. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So don't don't think for a second that Paul is contradicting himself here because he's not telling them, work for your salvation. Work in order to be saved. Work so that you can have hope of getting to heaven. That's not at all what he's talking about. And we're going to understand what he's talking about here in just a few minutes. The verb in there that says work out, that's translated to work out, carries the meaning of work to full completion. Okay? So you work it to full completion. Now, it's, the idea would be this. It's, it's like working out a math problem. Uh, and and when, you, when you do math, and you do certain, like when you get into, man, things, I got into, uh, you get into trig, you get into calculus. How many of you have done Calculus. All right. Or even some of the longer algebra and stuff. You know, you work with these these things that have parentheses and and the little exponents up here and all these different things. And you're like, oh, what does that all mean? But you learn how to work that out and you work it out. You've got to take it as far as it'll go. I can remember in in school working those, and you think you've gotten to the end, and the teacher would come by and look at it, and go, you're not done. You've got to work it out. There's still more to to work out. So what it means is you've got to work out that problem till you get it. The entire problem is done. You've worked it to its completion. That's the idea here of what Paul is saying. He says, says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So it is to to work this thing, uh, work it out to completion. Work to full completion. Now, in Paul's day, it was also used... Uh, with this idea of working a mine, okay, a mine. We're all familiar with mines. You go out west, there was a lot of mines in the west, still a lot of mines out there, but always working gold mines or different things like that. But it's this idea of working a mine, and, and the idea is then getting out of the mine all of its value and potential. If you don't work out the mine, if you don't work out the mine, you're not getting out what's in the mine. You could, you could have a piece of property and you could be in abs- absolute poverty because you won't get in and work out the mine. But if you get in the mine and work the mine, you can get the value out of the mine. Does that make sense? So the, 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 it's a possession that he has, but the person's got to get in there and work the mine to get the value out of it. And the, another idea of this was working a field. If, if you have a field and you want to get the best harvest possible, you want to, you want to profit from your field, then, then you, don't, you don't get the wealth of, you, you, you know, you got to work that field, right? You got to, you got to, there's things you got to do. You don't get the wealth of a mine without working the mine. You have to work it. You don't get the production of a field if you don't cultivate it and plow it and sow it and then work it and weed it and, and, you, and all those things. Make sure it's got the water it needs. You've got to do all those things, and that's working out that field. You know, if you, if you just sit there, and you, somebody's got a field, and they say, I'm waiting on my field to produce. Well, what have you done? Well, I haven't done anything. I'm just waiting on my field to produce. Then you've not worked out the field. You have the field. You own the field. You have the, the, the potential is there in the field, but you have to work it out. All right, you with me? It makes sense? That's the idea here. Um, if you're waiting for that field to produce, and you're not going to work in it, you're going to wait a long time, and you ain't going to get anything out of it. So Paul isn't saying work to acquire salvation. He said work out your salvation. You have your salvation. You are a a, a new creature. You're a whole new creation. You have have been born again and bought again. You've been brought to life once you were dead. Now you're alive. You have this thing of eternal life. Now work out your salvation. See what it is God wants to do in you and through you. Um. So he said, work out your salvation. Get all that you can for the glory of God from your salvation. Now, the purpose God wants us to achieve. What is it, this idea now of working out? You you know, if you go to a gold mine and you work out the gold mine, you're going to get all the gold you can get out of there. If you go on a field and you're going to sow soybean, you want to get as much soybean as you possibly can get out of there. Uh, Whatever it is you're working, what is it God wants to work out in us? Well, the outworking of our salvation is this. It's Christ-likeness. It's righteousness. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's us walking a holy life, living a holy life, walking in righteousness. But it's becoming like Christ. Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. That humility, we become like Him. That's the idea. Romans eight twenty nine. for whom He foreknew, He also predestined, listen, to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to come into faith with His Son, Jesus, come into a relationship with Him, come into a relationship with God to be reconciled to Him, and then He wants us to work out our salvation and, and, and become more and more like Jesus every day. Verse 13, "...for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure." So it is God that is working in you both to will, to want to, and to do it. So you, it's God that's doing that work. So Mark Twain wrote this. He said, few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. Okay? The annoyance of a good example. So, so here would be the idea of this. Um, you know, Paul just used this example of Christ. Wow. Paul, could you not give us an example that maybe we could actually achieve, that we could actually be like? We have, this is the perfect example. And it's the, the one example that we cannot ever, this side of glory, acquire to be just like Christ. But we should acquire, aspire to be like Christ. That is our goal. That's the example Paul has given us. So why not have a perfect example to look to, Right. But that's an annoyance because you go, I can't do that. How could I ever do that? Perhaps the thing most annoying about a good example is is the inability to accomplish the same achievements in our own lives. Because we know I can never do what Jesus did. I, I, I mean, that's why, folks, Jesus didn't come just to be our example. You want to talk about ultimate frustration. If he said, now, you have to live just like I did. You've got to be perfect in every way just like I was. Well, we'd be through and, I mean... It'd be worse than trying to follow the law because Jesus was perfect and the law was not. Amen? Amen. We're going to be frustrated. Um, We couldn't achieve those things in our life. Admiration for a great person can inspire us, but it cannot enable us. Right? So while while following Christ, it certainly inspires me, his life he lived. It cannot enable me simply watching and looking at what he did and going, well, I'm just going to try to copy him. Okay? It, It cannot enable us. The the way that the way that it would have to happen though is if the person could enter into our life and then share his skills, we, you know, we cannot attain his heights and accomplishments. Short of that, here's here's a thought. I'm five foot eleven. I used to be five foot eleven and three quarter. That quarter was very frustrating. I wanted to be six foot so bad. I never made six foot. I'm probably like five eleven and a quarter now with age and settling and all that stuff. Here's the deal. You know, Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player ever, ever, including any of those that are playing today, Pastor Aaron. Michael Jordan's still the greatest. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Michael Jordan did things nobody else has done. He could do things nobody else has done. And I could watch Michael Jordan. I could, I could go, you know what, he, he did this. I could model it. 100% of what he did. I could put in just as much time in the gym as he did. I could do the weightlifting just as much as he did. I could shoot the ball as many times as he did. I could do all those things, but I'm never going to be like Michael Jordan. But it's a weird way. What if Michael Jordan could come and, and, and live inside me, right? And then Michael Jordan could... His, his abilities could empower me to do the things that he does. Does that make sense? That's kind of the idea. I can watch him and not fulfill that because I just can't do what he's doing. I would need to be empowered from the inside, not just watching from the outside. That's the idea here. So it takes more than an example on the outside. It takes power on the inside. If we're going to be like Christ... It, it's not just the example of watching Him and us going, oh, in my strength and my power, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be like Him. No, it's impossible. We cannot do that short of, of His power within us. So Paul has just, what he's done here is he's presented Jesus Christ as our, our great example of the submissive mind. We read it. We, we understand that about Jesus. We agree with it. But how do you go about practicing that? How do we go about putting into practice being like Jesus. How could any mere human ever hope to achieve what Jesus Christ achieved? And it seems foolish to even try. But here we are trying to develop. Here's what seems funny. We're trying to develop humility. And it almost seems proud that we're daring to be like Jesus, as though we ever could. It seems a little contradictory, but this is what we're called to do. So Paul is setting before us the divine pattern for the submissive mind and the divine power to accomplish what God commands. It is God who works in you. There in verse 13. It is God who works in you. Now in verse 12, Paul's really saying, you know, work out your own salvation. I'm I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so I'm going to pull back. Um, So here's the deal. It's not by imitation. It's by incarnation. The way that we can become like Christ, the way that we can do the things Christ did is by His incarnation, by Him coming. It was by Him coming, but then what He did with our salvation and what He sends to help us and empower us. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Well, what were we just talking about? Michael Jordan come in, he could help me be better at basketball, Right. Christ is living in me. He can live his life through me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, the Christian life is not a series of ups and downs. We kind of think of it, you know, that way. But it's really more of a process. Understand this now. It's more of a process of ins and outs. And let me explain this. God works in and we work out. Okay? Okay. God works in. He works in us. He, it, it, it's He who works in us to will and to do for His good pleasure. So He's at work as a believer. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit of God's is indwelling us. And the Holy Spirit of God is working in you. Now, are you going to submit to that? Because if you're ever going to work it out, you have to submit to that. You have to submit because you still have free will. And there are those who, who, who um, uh, quench the Holy Spirit in their life and what God's trying to do because they, they choose to do what they want to do and not what God is working in them to do. But God works in us, and then He really works through us and works out through us. So we work out, we do, based on what God does in us. We cultivate the submissive mind by, by responding to divine provisions God makes available to us. And I think Psalm 37 Verses 3 through 6 illustrate this process well. Verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord. Okay? You, you could say that's faith right there. If you're going to trust in the Lord, then you come to faith. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Well, we, we can talk about dwelling in the land. I would say, you know, dwell in the land. How about we dwell in His Word? Okay? How about we feed on his faithfulness? How about we spend time in his word? We spend time in prayer. We draw close in our relationship with him, okay? So we dwell in the land. Verse 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord. Now, I've shared this before that delight is, is, is when, you, when you, you seek your happiness, your fulfillment, your contentment, your joy, your peace. Everything, your security, everything, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you're seeking those things in Him. Not in something outside, not in a possession or a person or power or any of those things. You're delighting yourself in the Lord. The verse says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And we've talked about this before. Uh, you know, I joke about it. Well, I'm delighting in the Lord, so one day he's going to give me the red Magnum P.I. Ferrari because that's that's, what, that's the desire of my heart. So he's going to give me that. That's not what the verse means. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, you know what he does? He changes our want-tos. Right. He changes that. He gives you... The desires of your heart. That's what that means. So he changes that. I used to want this, now I want that. I used to want my stuff, now I want his stuff. I want to do what he wants me to do. And then verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust again, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So what the Lord puts in your heart is a desire. As you work out your salvation, he'll bring it to pass. in working it out in your life. As you work and respond to what he's doing in your life. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he'll bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. It is the Lord who works in us to guide us in what we work out. What we do, what we don't do, where we go, what we say, how we live, etc., etc., etc. As the Lord works in us, He shows us how to live our lives He's showing us how to be like Him. He's showing us how to have a life of righteousness, to live a righteous life. And then he, and through that, as we respond, as we work out, then we become more righteous. We become more like Him. Are we going to be exactly like Jesus this short of glory? No, but we can become more. I hope today I'm closer to being like Jesus than I was you know, six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. I certainly hope I'm closer to Jesus and more like Him today than I was the day I got saved. Amen? So we should be growing. And it's because He is working in us, and then we work out what He is working in us. Again, Philippians 2.5, Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is working to give you this mind, to change your want-tos. Let there's an idea here. This, 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 you, you have to submit to this. If you're going to let this mind be in you, you can resist that. You have, the, you have free will. Even after you get saved, you still have free will. You have to make choices. You have to respond to what God is doing in your life. Let. Let God work. The Holy Spirit is working to give you this mind, to change your want-tos. God does not expect us to work out this gold mine of salvation on our own, relying on our our own resources or opinions or initiative. God expects nothing of us but failure. And that's all we'll be without Him. The best that I can do is just trash without Him. It's terrible. It's terrible. He has given us His Holy Spirit to indwell us, to fill us, to anoint us, and lead us into all truth. John 16, 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit's indwelling us. The Holy Spirit is working in us. And as He works in us and He teaches us and shows us what to do, we work it out in our life. We work out our salvation. You get it now? The working in and the working out. In verse 12, Paul used the word, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. uh, Well, I guess I will. uh, Katergozomai. And that word means to work out, to work fully, to perform. And in verse 12, the Holy Spirit there is emphasizing um, our responsibility to do what it is God's telling us to do. It's our responsibility to work out what he's working in. Salvation has to be worked out to its proper conclusion. Now, we're not talking about justification. That was settled once and for all when we believed. We were justified. We were made righteous in that sense. But what we're talking about is sanctification. There is a progressive sanctification that you are, you are constantly we are, we are being sanctified. It means we're being more, made more and more like Jesus, that we come closer and closer to God in our life constantly. That's the work for your whole lifetime. That's not going to stop. And again, you can either respond to that and respond to what God's doing in your life, or you can hinder that. You can hinder that by being resistant to do what God wants you to do. And we do this a lot with our, with our pet. We, I mean, people have their pet sins. They may be trying to walk with the Lord, but people have their pet sins. Yeah, I know I've got an anger problem, but yeah, I keep it under control. It's my thing. And, and, we, and we even name it that. Whatever it is, it's my this, my struggle. My, I don't, that my struggle ain't my struggle. It's, I want it gone. I was coming down the road, Gene and I were talking about this morning, my vertigo. I don't call it my vertigo. I'm telling you, I hate this junk. It ain't mine. I want to get rid of it. And anything spiritual in our life that is there that shouldn't be there, we ought to be the same way with it. Because as, as, a, as a sickness hinders, as I was talking about last week, as a sickness can hinder you, and it hinders you physically, these things that we hold on to, they hinder you spiritually. And it is much more detrimental to you to hold on to those things than, than to let them go. And yet we still hold on to them because we have our little pet sins. We have different things that, well, I'm not ready to be that spiritual yet. You know? uh, we, we get there. Sanctific- uh, um, so, so we're trying to become more like Christ. We're being sanctified. That's the work God's doing in our life. So, so folks understand this. Salvation is not the end. I hear people kind of sometimes have an attitude, well, I'm born again. I'm saved. And they, they have this attitude. They can just live like, life like they want to. They can do whatever they want. So I'm going to tell you, if your attitude is, I can live like I want to because I'm saved, I don't believe you're saved. I don't believe it. And if you live your life that way and there's no conviction, you live in sin, there's no conviction, that tells me the Holy Spirit of God is not in you. You're not saved. There is a change. If there is no change, folks, if you didn't change after you walked the aisle, it ain't going to make a change in your life for eternity. Understand that. So don't deceive yourself and, well, I came down and I prayed a prayer one time. Well, what did you pray? Well, I'm not real sure. Well, why did you pray? Well, I don't know. I just responded and I felt like I ought to come down and pray. Well, you need to know. You need to, be, you need to understand. Were you a sinner? Did you understand you were a sinner? Did you confess your sin to God? Did you repent of that sin? If you confess your sin and your lostness and then you call on the name of the Lord by faith and he saves you, there's a change. Because the Holy Spirit of God comes in and indwells you, there is a change. And now He begins to work in you, and you begin to work out. But, verse 13, Paul used a different word for work out, and it's the word in there, in there, in there hero. And it And it means this, it means to energize or work effectively. So where does the power come from? Well, there's times where I do, I pray this often pray this often. I, 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 as I study, I study. I ask God to lead in my study. I ask him to guide in preparation. Pastor Aaron prays for guidance in what we should sing. And we sit often. Raymond prays for what he should teach. John prays what should he teach. And, and we see these, they, they, they teach over there. And then, and then the songs that Aaron leads us, the worship team leads us with, go right in hand in hand with that and then I step up here and preach and it locks we lock hands again that's the holy spirit's work so we do our part we're working out but then god we want him to do his part and do what only he can do he energizes that right so we do the work we're doing work that he's told us to do we do things with our strength but we're responding to what he's doing in us and then he energizes the work that we do you follow He's energizing that. He makes it effective. It's to work effectively. So in verse 13, the idea is more of his empowering of the work that we do in the working out of our salvation. Has more to do with God's enablement than with our resources. And I can go, man, I'm I'm the, understand this is facetious here. I'm the greatest preacher in, in Seminole County. You know, I'm just, I know God's going to bless it and use it. He's going to use it because I'm so great. No, no, I ain't got a thing to do with my ability. I can stand up here. If I'm not walking with God, I can stand up here and, not, and, not, and, and, and speak very eloquently and just fall dead and be of no use. But as God works in me and then I work out what he's doing in me, he empowers that. He energizes that. He makes it effective. It's amazing. It's really all him, folks. We just have to be obedient. What Paul would say, be obedient. I commend you for being obedient, being faithful. Christian, be obedient. Be faithful. Let him work in you. And then you work out what he's doing in you. Amen? God works in, we work out. As with any workout, we have to do our part, as, uh, as James, I think, captures well. I'm going to read some of, of James. Scripture, teaching scripture is so awesome. I love it. James chapter 4, I'll just read about 10 verses here. I want you to hear what James says. He says, Why do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? So do you think that person is allowing the Holy Spirit to work in them? No, because the flesh is working in them. The flesh is having its way, wanting what it wants. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Well, we don't ask God because we don't go to God and ask God for sinful things and selfish things. We at least most time have enough sense to, to know he's not going to. We know what, I'm not taking that to the Lord. You ask and do not receive. So Sometimes we ask, he says, you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Boy, there's a line in the sand. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Here it is, humble. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's the single mind that becomes the submitted mind that becomes, a, that becomes like Christ. He changes us. Now God has a plan for you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Folks, every one of you in here, if you are a a child of God, you've been born again, God has a plan for you. Now listen, if you're in here and you're not saved, you've never been born again, you may be going, preacher, I'm not real sure what you're talking about, this saved thing. This saved thing means right now you're lost. If, you're, if, if you have not received Christ as your Savior, you're lost. And If you die where you are right now, you're going to spend all of eternity in a real place called hell, separated from God for, forever. It's real. Hell is real. And if you, if you leave this world without a relationship with Christ, that's where you spend all of eternity. This life's nothing compared to eternity. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ... He has a plan for your life, too, and that plan is that you would follow Him, that you would trust Him, that you would receive the gift of salvation that He has paid for already. The price is paid. You know, the gift of God, it was not cheap, but it's free. Just simply, you have to humble yourself, acknowledge your sin, your lostness, and go to the Lord. He has... He has a plan for you, but he also has work for us to do. Mark ten forty-five. The Lord said, "For even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many." We're to have the same attitude Christ had. We are to serve, not to be served. The other day, someone asked who, who cleans my bathroom in my office, and uh, someone had asked about who cleans his bathroom. Maybe we need to go in there while I was out, for you know, with uh, my head buzzing. We should go in there and make sure his bathroom's clean, or whatever, and all this. And so they ask, I said, "Well I clean my bathroom. I'm not too good. I'm not above cleaning a bathroom. I've cleaned every bathroom in these buildings. I'm not above that. I'm, I want to serve. If that's what it takes, picking up a piece of trash in the yard, mopping a floor, moving chairs, whatever, man. we're, we're going to do it right? They're, all of us are to serve. Right. Not to be served. Well pastor, you shouldn't have to do that. Well, why? Why not? I'm just like you. I'm no different from you. I can do that. All of us, God has a plan for our life. All of us, there's service for us to do. He wants us to serve. We must start with a single mind, the mind focused on Christ. That brings the submissive mind, and that is the mind of Christ. And we don't work up this mind. So as we submit to Christ and the Holy Spirit of God changes our mind, He works in us, and then He works out through us. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So when we submit to Him and we work out what He has been working in us, it brings the Lord pleasure. For God who works in you both to will and to do, why? For His good pleasure. You want to please the Lord? I want to please the Lord. I want to please Him with my life. I've I've shared several times... You know, I, I, I think it might have been Wednesday night I was talking about this. The Lord, we, we read about having mansions and glory and all that. I, I'm, I'm telling you, if the Lord wants to give me a mansion, praise God, I'll take it. That's not what motivates me. And maybe it's because it's not what motivates me on this earth. I'll tell you what motivates me is standing before the Lord on that day and the Lord saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. But if you're going to hear, well done, you've got to well do. Right? I didn't well do. Well, Lord, why didn't you say well done? He said, well, you didn't well do. So I want to please the Lord. And I'm sure that everybody in this room that's a child of God wants to please the Lord. Now, whatever the Lord has for us in glory, I, amen. But I, and Mark Twain said, I can go 30 days on a single compliment. I can go, I can go all of eternity on a well done, now good and faithful servant. Like that old Labrador or that, you know, good old golden retriever. Pat me on the head, man. That—that's what I want. Philippians two, uh, uh, two. No, I two two, 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 twelve. I guess work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That fear and trembling wasn't that, you know, Paul had a, a, a like an irrational fear of God. This fear and trembling, it was a fear of not pleasing the Lord. He was fearful that some of his work had been in vain. He didn't want that. He really challenged the Philippians here, I don't want this work to be in vain. I want what I've done. I want it to, when I get to glory. And he talks about that later. You know, in fact, uh, you know, he, he, he. well, let me just say this. Let me, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, Paul didn't want them to disappoint the Lord, to let the Lord down. He wanted them to please the Lord. He wanted to please the Lord. But I think he would say to us even, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's what he said. It's, it's scriptures. It's to each one of us. Man, I, I, I have fear of, of oftentimes that, you know, am I pleasing the Lord? Am I living my life in a way that's pleasing to Him? We should be checking that all the time. What am I doing? What in my life? As I look into my life right now, what am I doing that would not be pleasing to the Lord? I think that's what we want. You know what, I'm going to stop right there. Pastor Aaron, you and Jim can come up. I've got a little more, but we're going to stop right there. I'll pick up on that next week. Greatest workout we can do. Greatest workout that we can do for 2024 is that we let God work in us so that we'll know what to do as he works through us. Amen? Amen? So you ask this. I'm going to give you three things real quick, three things that, that will help us. So how does God grow us? How does he work in us? I'm going to give you three things that he uses. Number one is the word of God. Um, verse 16, he says, Holding fast to the word of life. We want to hold on to the word of life. We want to cling tightly to the word of God. It is the word of God. It's not my feelings. It's not my opinions that matter. It's what God's word says. This is our manual for life, for everything is right here. This is what we have to hold on to. Folks, as we read the word of God, God speaks to us. I read something and it talks about, about forgiving. Oh, man, forgiving. Really? Read that again. I have to forgive as I've been forgiven. Oh, Lord, really? He's working in me. Because when I read His Word, the Holy Spirit of God is working in me. He says, you need to take care of that. You know what the problem is? Sometimes we're not in the Word. We don't know His heart and His mind because we're not, we're not listening to Him. You get into the Word of God, and, and, and He will grow us through His Word. second way is through prayer as we, as we interact with the Lord through prayer so we listen to him in prayer so we talk to him in prayer he works in our hearts he works in us through the word of God and through prayer but the third thing that many times we don't think about is suffering Dave the Lord works in us in the difficult times you know, I, I, I'm 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 I've learned some things. In the you know you always want to learn from something, right? So for this is day 24 of riding the SS Minnow, and um, you know there's some things I've learned. There's some things I I, I hope I can retain when I get through this. Um, one of the things I was telling John Egger this the other night is I want to. I want to be a better listener and less of a talker. I tend to run my mouth more than I should. I've noticed through this, there were times where I'd be like, as people were talking, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to do anything but listen. I thought, you know what? This is good. I got to learn to listen better. I want to be a better listener. I want to be less reactionary and more responsive I just want to be like Jesus and so if we learn these things so as you go through difficult things whether it's sickness or a financial crisis or or whatever it may be you know what it does when we go through you know we're on those mountaintop experiences you know what happens we get a little self-reliant we get a little we get a little bit you know what all is good right now Lord I'm good I don't need you right now but you let things go awry and what happens we come back to the Lord. We come back to His Word. We come back to Him in prayer because it shows our need. And we are an obstinate bunch, aren't we? We look at the children. We'll talk about the children of Israel some next week. But the, the, you know, they were so resistant, so stiff-necked and stubborn. And I go, they? That's why we're sheep. Because sheep are stubborn and they're not real smart. Okay? It's what the Lord says about us. So when we go through difficult things, it should push us back to the Lord. And the Lord uses that. He uses the Word of God. He uses prayer. He uses suffering, pain, difficult things in our life to, to, to mold us and to shape us into what He wants to be, us to be. He works in us. And then we grow and we learn and we listen and we, imply, we apply what He's teaching us. We, and then we work it out in our lives. And, folks, we become more like Him this morning, I feel kind of like the way ought to have the plows up here, because it's kind of kind of a, a little bit of a message like that. Is is, you know, do you want to be closer to the Lord at the end of 2024 than you are right now? If so, then you've got to let the Lord work. Let this mind be in you. Let him work in you. Don't be resistant to what he's doing in your life. There's a lot more in this passage that, that we'll get to next week. That, that carries out into how we respond to what he's doing. But let him work in you. And then you work out of him and his power and his leading. Not your own intellect, experience, strength, your own wisdom. You work out in what God is working in. So as we work out our salvation, so we do that this year. I don't, even, I, you know, I'm saying, well, I bet would have, I don't have to, there's no bet. I know, it's fact. If we let Him work in us, and what He works out in us will be towards righteousness. Amen. Amen. So let's submit ourselves today. This morning, as we, as we stand here in just a moment, we'll sing with Pastor Aaron. Uh, but I want to say this again: this, this, these are, we use these as steps. This is an altar. Maybe this morning the Lord has spoken to you about something. And you can sit there, and you can, you can have a word of prayer there, but I, I'm, I'm convinced, I'm thoroughly convinced in my heart there is something powerful about responding by moving. In. It, it's the workout, right? God's working in. How about if I move? How about if I show? Maybe it's, a, it's just a time of coming to the altar and dealing with Him right now on what He's dealing with you on. Instead of putting it off and saying, well, I'll, I'll talk to Him later. I'll go home and and I'll have some time at home. Because you won't. Pastor Aaron mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I think, when I was out. I heard you say this. the response now, you respond now. Because you don't know that he's going to be drawing your heart later. You'll You'll just dismiss it. If he's dealing with you about something, come deal with it now. Come deal with it now. Come get on your face before God and just talk to him. Bring to him. Cast on him your burdens. Call on him to, Lord, I want to get out of the way and let you work in my life this year. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just this challenge. Understanding, God, that you are working in us. If we're a believer, you're working in us. And we can either submit to that or we can resist it. I pray, God, we wouldn't resist that. We'd allow you to work in us so that then we can work out from what you're doing in us. We can work out our salvation to completion, to for whatever it is you have for us. So Lord, right now, is, we have this time of, of invitation, and response, to, to reflect upon what we've heard. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to our hearts and if there's something that we need to deal with, that we'll, we'll humble ourselves and we'll respond to that right now. We'll come and, and just talk to you and cast upon you, Lord, uh, and deal with you with whatever it is you're dealing with us. So bless and move now. We'll praise you for that in Christ's name. Amen.